Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 22nd, 2015. Well, we've had another week of global warming while we freeze to death in North America, across the board really, because everything's managed, including all the weather commentaries and stations and so and newscasts on weather. Consistently here, just like last year, I noticed they have put three stations from the government on, on down, basically, that give you the weather for this, this area and the temperatures. And they underestimate them every night by anything from 10 to 15, sometimes 20 degrees above what they actually are. Because we're really plummeting down here. It's plummeting. I mean, freezing, freezing at night. Minus 30, 40, 45. Then a wind chill on top of that. And believe you me, nothing starts in the morning. You don't start. The car doesn't start. Nothing starts because it's that darn cold. And of course, uh, this has all been just got glossed over like it's not happening because it doesn't fit in with a big plan for global taxation, carbon taxes, energy taxes, all those things are going to bring you into austerity because that's the big agenda. And the agenda doesn't falter. It won't, won't alter for any fact from God or anybody else. And we have to go along with it because we're given no choices. So you, you, you're a skeptic, or you're a skeptic, remember, is a heretic. And heretic, they say, if you don't believe in it all. This is a religion, you see. And it's all from the top down. Because you can't argue with computers, even though uh, the computers are all getting fried as well. Not from heat, but from freezing temperatures and ice in their little circuit boards. But then that doesn't matter. As I say, it's all agenda-driven, isn't it? And nothing can stop the agenda because our masters of the world have been here for a long time, plan it that way. They've got long, long-term business plans for us all. We're products of it, in fact. that We are the product. What you believe, how you behave, what you think about, what you even do, is all given to you. You're a product, you see. The things you argue about, you're supposed to argue about, that's where you're given them to argue about with this opinion or the, the opposite opinion. That's what they give you on everything. So we can chatter about it like little, little mice in a, in, a, in a cage, in a laboratory. Every generation is given the proper beliefs by the proper people from above, you see. And they do it properly and you believe properly too, you see. And it's always been that way for an awful long, long time. We even don't know how long this system is because in all ages, will be managed, our thoughts are managed, our beliefs managed. And today, of course, they've replaced the old priesthoods with the, the new priesthoods, which are science, scientists in white coats and laboratory technicians and guys who feed things into computers. They can only spout out what they're programmed to spout out according to the data that's put into them and how they're programmed. But it doesn't matter, you see, we to live our lives according to these computers because that's how the designers designed them. Facts don't matter. Reality doesn't matter. Since everything is a social, political agenda, you see. And an economic one, too, for those who rule the world. And as I say, it's always really been like that. In old days, you know, when thunder happened and lightning happened, God was stamping his feet in heaven because he was angry at something. And you cowered down and you ran into the churches and asked for forgiveness for whatever you'd done to make it happen. And in the old days, too, when the seasons change, because sometimes one year is different from the other, and there's always been climate change. We called it weather at one time. What's the weather like today? Is what's different from yesterday? And you took that for granted. You see, it's just how things go back and forth, back and forth. But today, of course, it's all your fault. It's just like it was your fault back in the Middle Ages when the crops failed. It was your fault. Again, God was angry. Today, you've caused it all to happen. And as you freeze to death, you've got global warming in North America. Double think, isn't it? And double speak. Now you have double reason. But you can justify both arguments in your head at the same time and believe them both. And that's the way it's supposed to be, you see, because that's the way your masters want it. Whatever your masters want, you'll be programmed to believe it. In fact, it works so well on most folk that if you won't believe it, you'll be ostracized by all those around you who do believe it. You make them uncomfortable.
having to think can be scary. Scary things can creep in your heads if you start thinking. God forbid. Getting back to the, the forecasts for you know, weather. And the underestimating of how cold it's going to get at night. All through the night you can keep checking. I've done this. Astutely. Checked and checked and checked the difference. And they keep it at the original findings or predictions. All through the night, even when it's 25 below what they said. And the next day, they're still the same. And that's going to go down in history, is the truth. Not reality, but the truth. That, that's their truth, you see. Because it doesn't fit in with the big agenda if you, if you put down the actual truth. You couldn't tax folk into austerity and all that, with energy taxes and carbon taxes and manage your lives from birth to death more effectively than they've done before, in fact. Unless you make them believe it all. They're, they're the problem. And when you're sitting there freezing to death, you're actually sweating. Now what voices from above say to you must be true. It must be true. I mean, they can't all be lying to you, all those folk in authority, can they? That's impossible to think that, isn't it? Or is it? Are you crazy? They can't all be wrong, for goodness sake. It reminds me of that movie, The Island where thousands of clones had been made for very rich people to harvest the organs once their organs were packing in, you see. And so they raised these clones, gave them a fake memory, a short one, and they were reared in in this artificial environment altogether dressed the same way. And they got up and exercised in the morning to make sure that body was healthy and all the rest of it. And they believed that everything was genuine, they'd been saved from some plague outside, and they were brought in one by one. That's what they think, because we're programmed to think that from birth, you see. That's by repetition. And since they all said the same story, that it's contamination out there and we're saved and so lucky to be here, then it must be true. Why would anybody want to lie to you? Who would, would go to such deception and lengths of deception to deceive you, if it were untrue. So you must always create a naive population that's taught to trust authority. That's why you, every range and faculty of existence in every area of understanding has to be managed by experts, and they're promoted as experts, and no more than you do, so submit and accept what they tell you. It's very simple. After all, why should they lie to you? Meanwhile, these poor suckers in the movie were being raised and farmed, basically, to be harvested for very rich people who wanted livers down the road because they were diseased, because of their, their promiscuous natures and so on. And the folk who were going to get harvested were taught that, that when their time was come, they could put down a special island outside that was safe to live in. A heaven, basically. Palm trees and everything, and beaches and sea. And they all believed it. Except for a few who started to ask questions. And those who asked questions were a danger to the system. Because, you see, the people who were cloned were products. And that's what they're called, the product. And we are all products, you see. And every age, as I say, every age the masters who are in control give you your reality, and your thoughts, and your behaviors for that generation or the next generation, and they prepare well in advance for each step and change. We're products, you see. Now in the movie, The Island, every employee who was brought in to work with the products, the people, the clones, had to keep the scam going. They couldn't tell anybody any truth outside, about the outside at all. They weren't allowed to know. Uh, because the, you must, you can't have a flaw or a chink in the, in the chain, you might say. Uh, because truth can start to cause problems. It grows like wildfires can start with a tiny spark. And who knows where it would end up, you see. And that's how we're managed today, perfectly today, because we all get the same information from the same sources, you see. And most folk don't know that the reality and their countries, we're not free, 
a reality is not a free society. It's never been free, in fact, but it's even more controlled than ever before with the electronics and the communications of today and the national and international educational systems and the same indoctrination policies and what you're going to be taught and what you're going to believe and so on. And repetition from the media over and over and through movies and all fiction reinforces all of that throughout your life until you believe it all because why would they lie to you? It's the same thing. Now, I've gone through in pretty good detail over many years the fact that we're owned and operated and run by big private clubs like the Royal Institute for International Affairs that also runs the Royal Society that decides all what science is going to be true and untrue and so on. It runs the right wing and the left wing, all wings in fact. And they said a long time ago in their own writings, by their own historians, what their agenda for the future was. And even the guy, Quigley, Carl Quigley, the professor, who worked for them and was given access to their histories, because they have a separate history of the world, and their part in the creation of the modern system, including all the wars, by the way, and the changes, all the cultural changes. And he thought it was maybe time that the world would should be told that they'd accept it. And he was probably right, in fact. Most folk probably would accept it that we should be run by a professional group of superior people, a kind of gentleman's club, you might say. And this group that has many branches in different countries and the Council on Foreign Relations is part of it too, make sure that all your media is concentrated in the same hands of their members so you're told the same things over and over. Even the ones that are contrary, supposedly, and come out with scandalous stories about things are allowed to be out there, they're put out there, because it adds to the reality of things when you think there are different sides opposing each other, etc. Or there's a watchdog of independence out there. And there's nothing of the kind. In fact, Quigley said that they're all issue for international affairs. Now, it's got a charter to exist by royalty in the first place. It's a private organization that has members of all top scientists belonging to them, all top journalists, all top novelists even. Anybody who's anybody that gives you your thoughts and your realities is a member of it. These are the guys who decide at the top who's going to run for, for parliaments, and get in at the top to make sure it's always their boy, left wing, right wing, whatever. And quickly said that. Didn't matter if they're communist, dictator, whatever. We bring them all in, we work with them all, he said. In fact, these guys can make or break anybody. They can protect your butt as well if you scam millions and billions off the taxpayer during bank crashes. And they do. That's real world. And all these top scientists that would rather believe the computer readouts because you're well paid to believe so people are awful hypocrites you can, when you can paid to believe something you'll do an awful, awful good job of it especially in yourself you must keep the farce going and you must be convincing if you hesitate at all it means my goodness your own reasoning is kicking in and, and your reason might overtake your salary and you know where that's going to go it's going to plummet if you continue like that because it's a human flaw. It's this greed factor because the money system's all corrupt to begin with. It causes all the problems. It encourages them. But that's the real world, folks. And that's what we live in. I mean, we're given bombardments of this stuff daily. Go out into the street and listen to what the folk are talking about. Brzezinski talked about it in the 1970s in his book Between Two Ages. And he said then that the people just prattle about what they've heard on the news that day. At work and everywhere they go, that's what all they prattle about. And he says shortly the people will expect their media to do their reasoning for them. And they do now. That was back in the 70s. They do now. They expect the media to bring them and guide them to conclusions. It's done so slickly, most folk don't realize they've been programmed. Again, if you're the product, why would you suspect you're being lied to? Professionally done, too. Got to admit that. 
I wonder often if they give themselves awards at the top. Like Oscars and that, the ones that manage our minds. The neuroscientists and behaviorists and psychologists, etc., etc. All the ologists are up there, you know. And there's no money expense spared to pay them incredible salaries to make sure that we never get out of control. But it's okay because we pay for it all through our taxes, you see. It's a great thing, this money scam, though, isn't it? It's fantastic. And you even train the public that's normal to get plundered all the time. And they do believe it. Mind you, there's coercion there, too, if they don't comply. Meanwhile, they still wave the flag, especially in the U.S., and, and as long as the same symbols come out and the same tunes come out, the same emotional uh, heartstrings are pulled, they're tugged, and they go into that trance. They don't notice that their systems change many times, but the symbols haven't. It's quite indoctrination, isn't it? Now, geoengineering of the atmosphere for weather change and for other purposes too, for warfare purposes, it's been going on for a long time. And you'll find that when they started it in, in serious and earnestness, or earnest, back in 1998 it was in Ontario here in Canada, where it's been daily ever since this geoengineering, is very visible in the skies. Because it's important for them to, to manage the weather, you see even when they have ill effects from it. You suffer them, but don't worry because your perception will be altered and managed so you won't believe that you're experiencing the deep freeze and the, the no summers that you get here in North America in these modern times. And we, we've read about the geoengineering meetings they've had that if they ever started doing it, this could happen and that could happen and so on, like they haven't been doing it. This is how it's done. You can't get the product scared. That's you, folks. Because you're going to pay for it all, too. You are paying for it all now. It costs a fortune, obviously, to keep spraying the skies across the planet like this. And they overdo it at certain times, and you get, you get this deep, deep, deep freeze. In other parts of the world, they can disperse clouds and so on and cause intense heat to, to be created, and they have done that, too. It's quite simple these days. And even admitted with the harp alongside of it. And harp isn't just in Alaska, it's all over the world. Uh, many, many stations. Then they can alter the jet streams and gulf streams and trade winds and all the rest of it. And bring them in different directions. Which they do. We're bombarding living in a field generated by electromagnetic energy. Electronic pulses and signals. Old stuff, actually. Well documented from university studies and so on. But never mentioned much on the news because it doesn't fit in with the fact that you're all to blame for this terrible weather we're getting and you're going to pay for it and be brought down to utter austerity. And all your spending money will go to pay taxes to combat it. And all your spending money will go off for extra fees, etc. To private institutions and banks. Private banks, family banks, in Switzerland, places like that, and carbon exchanges, etc. Now, <laughs> it's so amazing how they keep harping on the same mantra. But again, getting back to the movie The Island, and you've got to watch it again, even if you've watched it before or if you haven't seen it at all. See it because it's really an analogy of what you're living in already. A reality is given to the product. And although the reality is contrary to what some of the products actually notice themselves, doesn't matter. It must be true. Why would they lie to you? What would anybody gain from lying to you? You're taught to be naive and nice and decent and honest, aren't you? Now, the agenda goes on. There's always an agenda. And part, many parts and phases to it and stages. 
And when one's achieved, they've already got other, a whole bunch of other areas to work on, which they are working on at the same time that overtake it and so on. But here's an article here from the BBC. And it says, the UK's political leaders have pledged to work together to combat climate change. When have you ever seen politicians in your life combat anything and get results that they wanted, supposedly? But again, these are all picked people, you see. The UK's political leaders are picked, they're handpicked by their masters before you even hear their names to vote for. This is in a joint statement, David Cameron... Ed Miliband and Nick Clegg, who got more in common than you know, said climate change was one of the most serious threats facing the world. So politicians have said that. You know, you can trust politicians, obviously. And it says, they said climate change threatens not just the environment, but also security, prosperity, and poverty, eradication. Eradication. Now, think, think about this. When has government ever achieved any objective apart from making the awfully poor and enriching themselves in the process to please their masters? They're not independent people, these, these folk. Then it says, they have promised to end coal burning for power generation in the UK unless it uses new cleanup technology. Then you have this other special group too that are all NGOs, non-governmental organisations, who have awfully well-paid leaders, like CEO leaders, who uh, work for the big foundations, tax-exempt foundations, that are fronts for the big corporate boys, like Rockefellers and Rothschilds and all the rest of them. They pretend they're all on your side and they're speaking up for you. And they, they put themselves in groups like they are, you know, folk who go around with tin cans at one time, they're environmentalists, you see. It's a label they have. So it sounds very professional. Like it's like they're in charge of the environment. Really? I, th- I didn't know they had anything to do with it. But anyway, they say the pledge is significant because it quells some of the fears that the Conservatives might adopt a more climate-sceptic line to mirror the UK Independence Party's position. And they say the moment of unity. The move will be noticed by the UK's European partners working towards a global agreement on climate change at the UN conference in Paris in December. This is the big one coming up. If you've got any money left at all right now, you should spend it, folks, because you have nothing after this is done. When they start really plundering you and really micromanaging your lives, and individually, I mean that seriously, that's what they want to do. And so, remember, the United Nations is a front organization set up by the same organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and Council on Foreign Relations. So, so some of them had been nervous that the UK might soften its leadership position in the talks, given the level of climate skepticism expressed by some newspapers and conservative backbenchers. So, in other words... The impression it gives you is the politicians are all involved in this. They're really serious folk, these politicians, you know. They really have strong views on things. And, and, and they oppose them each other at times, you know, really strongly. And that's what you're taught, you know. It says, the, the, stated, the statement will also please investors <laughs> who have been deterred from sinking money into renewable energy systems because they feared a withdrawal from climate policies. So, oh, we can't do that, we'll all die, eh? If these awfully stinking rich corporations that live off your tax money don't get richer from more tax money for all their nonsense. It says, has been brokered by Matthew Spencer of the think tank Green Alliance. He told BBC News, the purpose is to create space for the current and future Prime Minister to ensure that the UK can play a full role in securing a good outcome in Paris, meaning the whole agenda must go through, you see. So that's the purpose of of the, the Green Alliance, the Green Party and all the rest of it. So all the parties are really just one big party together, aren't they? And that's all they really are. He added that another aim was to reassure investors that agreement means strong and so on and so on. 
across current leaders on emissions reduction. That's getting you off the roads, folks, and, and stop heating your homes and stuff and freeze it. And that we're unlikely to see a major change in direction whichever party forms the next government. What's the point in voting nationally when you see you already have international governance, as they call it, you see? What's the point? There is no point. But then voting nationally is much the same, isn't it? It's very unusual to get a moment of unity in the midst of a general election, and it's generating lots of excitement, really. A non-partisan approach is the holy grail in the U.S., it is in our national interest to act and to ensure that others act with us. Well, I personally, I'm fed up with all this acting. Awfully highly paid and rotten actors these politicians really are, aren't they? They really are pretty awful. So the leaders have gone so far as to promise to ban unabated coal-fired power generation, meaning that if it's to continue, the missions will need to be captured and stored in rock formations. And guess, guess who's going to get the money for that? To store the emissions, you know, carbon. This decision has been long debated and will send a strong signal of intent to the power industry. It's true the Rothschilds of Britain said they could sink it into you know, places under the ground in that. They'll sink a lot of nothing under the ground. And, and we'll pay them millions and billions for that. Oh, my. But then again, he's the same guys that invented the, the modern money system where they make money out of nothing. Well, why not make a lot of profit out of nothing, too? As long as you believe it's all real. But anyway, that's one article there. And then you go into this article from The Telegraph, who play the opposing view. Climate Gate, the sequel, how are we still being tricked with flawed data on global warming? Something very odd has been going on with the temperature data relied on by the world scientists, writes Christopher Booker. And it says, although it's been emerging for seven years or more, one of the most extra stra- extraordinary scandals of our time has never hit the headline. Yet another little example of it lately caught my eye when the wake of those excited claims that 2014 was the hottest year on record. I saw the headline on a climate blog that said, Massive Tampering with Temperatures in South America. And I'll put these links up to remember. It says, The evidence on uh, not a lot of people know that, uncovered by Paul Holmwood, was indeed striking. It's a website. But the actual, inter- you know, the, the studies that were done on the tampering with the temperatures in South America. See, the, the whole world as a whole, you see, this is how they're supposedly working out the global temperatures. But it says, puzzled by those 2014 hottest ever claims, which were led by the most quoted of all the five official global temperature records, such as NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies. And it says, Homewood examined a place in the world where GISS, G-I-S-S, was showing temperatures to have risen faster than almost anywhere else. A large chunk of South America stretching from Brazil to Paraguay. Noting that weather stations there were thin on the ground, he decided to focus on three rural stations covering a huge area of Paraguay. Gish showed it as having recorded between 1950 and 2014 a particularly steep temperature rise of more than 1.5 centigrade, twice the accepted global increase for the whole of the 20th century. But when Homewood was then able to check Gish's figures against the original data, from which they were derived, he found that they had been altered. Far from the new graph showing any rise, it showed temperatures in fact having declined over those 65 years by a full degree. When he did the same for the other two stations, he found the same. In each case, the original data showed not a rise, but a decline. Homewood had in fact uncovered yet another example of the thousands of pieces of evidence coming to light in recent years that show that something very odd has been going on with the temperature data relied on by the world's scientists, and in particular by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which has driven the greatest and most costly scare in history, the belief that the world is in the grip of an unprecedented warming. 
It says, how have we come to be told that global temperatures have suddenly taken a great leap upwards to their highest level in a thousand years? In fact, it's been no greater than their upward leaps between 1860 and 1880 and 1910 and 1940 as part of that gradual natural warming since the world emerged from its centuries-long little ice age around 200 years ago. This belief has rested entirely on five official data records. Three of these are based on measurements taken on the Earth's surface, versions of which are then compiled by GIS at GISS, by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is NOAA, and by the Ad- uh, University of East Anglia's Climate Research Unit, working with the Hadley Centre for Climate Prediction, part of the UK Met Office. The other two records are derived from measurements made by satellites and then compiled by remote sensing systems in California and the University of Alabama, Huntsville. It says, In recent years, these two very different ways of measuring global temperature have increasingly been showing quite different results. The surface-based records have shown a temperature trend rising up to 2014 as the hottest year since records began. RSS and the UAH have been well for 18 years been recording no rise in the trend, with 2014 ranking as low as only the sixth warmest since 1997. One surprise is that the, the three surface records, all run by passionate believers in man-made global warming, in fact derive most of their land surface data from a single source. This is the Global Historical Climate Network, managed by the U.S. National Climate Data Center under NOAA, which in turn comes under the U.S. Department of Commerce. But two aspects of this system for measuring surface temperatures have long been worrying uh, a growing array of statisticians, meteorologists, and expert science bloggers. One is that the supposedly worldwide network of stations from which GHCN draws its data is flawed. Up to 80% or more of the Earth's surface is not reliably covered at all. 80%, folks. Furthermore, around 1990, the number of stations more than halved from 12,000 to less than 6,000, and most of those remain are concentrated in urban areas or places where studies have shown that, thanks to the urban heat island effect, so concrete reflects, readings can be up to two degrees higher than those in rural areas where thousands of stations were lost. To fill in the, f- the huge gaps, those compiling the records have resorted to computerized infilling, just like, you know, filling in a picture with a crayon, whereby the higher temperatures recorded by the remaining stations are projected out to vast surrounding areas. They just, you know, can expand that wee bit. That's what you could imaginations for. GIS allows single stations to give a reading covering 1.6 million square miles. This alone contributed to the sharp temperature rise shown in the years after 1990. That's on their computer the studies, you see. But still more worrying has been the evidence that even this data has then been subjected to continual adjustments, invariably in only one direction, which is up. Earlier temperatures are adjusted downwards, more recent temperatures upwards, thus giving the impression that they have risen much more sharply than was shown by the original data. But it also shows you another thing, too, an aspect of humanity. Uh, money and the greed factor are amazing. I mean, you can rationalize anything when your paycheck is increasing and increasing, as long as you stick with uh, a, a nonsense agenda. You can really rationalize it. That's going to, your paycheck is going to decline drastically, or you'll be out of a job if you start to find any truth. Anyway, an early glaring instance of this was spotted by Steve McIntyre, the statistician who exposed the computer trickery behind the famous hockey stick graph, beloved by the IPCC, which purported to show that, contrary to previous evidence, 1998 had been the hottest year for a thousand years. It was McIntyre who, in 2007, uncovered the wholesale retrospective adjustments made to U.S. surface tip records between 1920 and 1999, compiled by GISS, then run by the outspoken climate activist James Hansen, who was thoroughly discredited after the climate gate uh, exposed all the, the emails that were sent internally. These reversed an overall cooling trend into an 80-year upward trend. Even Hansen had previously accepted that the Dust Bowl in 1930s was the hottest U.S. decade of the entire 20th century. I think it was on to say that assiduous researchers have since unearthed countless similar examples across the world, from the U.S. and Russia to Australia and New Zealand in Australia, 
An 80-year cooling of 1 degree per century was turned into a warming trend of 2.3 degrees. In New Zealand, there was a major academic row when unadjusted data showing no trend between 1850 and 1998 was shown to have been adjusted to give a warming trend of 0.9 degrees per century. This falsified new version was naturally cited in an IPCC report. And it gives you the, 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 the title of it too, what to look up. By far the most comprehensive account of this wholesale corruption of proper science is a paper written for the Science and Public Policy Institute. Surface Temperature Records Policy-Driven Deception by two veteran U.S. meteorologists, Joseph D. Dalio and the WWT's Anthony Watts. And if warmists are tempted to consume below this article online, it would be welcome if they would address their criticisms to the evidence rather than just resorting to personal attacks on the scientists who, after actually examining the evidence, have come to a view different from their own. One of the most uh, provocative points arising from the debate over those claims that 2014 was the hottest year ever came from the Canadian academic Dr. Timothy Ball when a recent post on WWC He used the evidence of ice core data to argue that the Earth's recent temperatures rank in the lowest 3% of all those recorded since the end of the last ice age 10,000 years ago. That puts me in mind, too, of articles I read back when the Soviet Union supposedly just, you know, collapsed, which is a big joke. But... uh, It was quite amazing because the Soviet Union had thousands of uh, weather stations recording data across the entire entire Soviet Union, all the countries involved in the bloc. Because it was a Cold War time, you see, and they had to know exact weather for all the different air stations and aircraft and so on and missiles and so on, in case things had to take off in a hurry. And after the Cold War, they just closed thousands of them down across the whole area, this massive part of the world, the old Soviet Union. And so the temperature guys and all the NGOs that are paid to push agendas by the big private foundations owned by the top owners of the world's commerce, suddenly said, oh, wow, look at that spike in warming. Well, you see, they weren't taking into account all that frozen tundra all over the place in different parts of the Soviet Union. You know, they still kept the stations going in places like the Sahara, Bangladesh, and so on. So it gave them the kind of readings they wanted to start all this global warming stuff. And they haven't let up since. They've always fudged data. Because there's an agenda behind this. And the top CEOs who belong to the private clubs at the top, and the multi-billion and trillionaires at the top, make sure their agenda will be fulfilled. This reality doesn't matter, you see. It doesn't matter if you're freezing your butt off or if you're chiseling off the, you know, the stuff that runs down your nose in the middle of winter and, and it turns to ice, like up here in Canada. It doesn't matter. You, you'll be convinced that it's actually sweat that condensed because you must be roasting, roasting with all the incredible indoctrination that you get where you can deny all reality to conform and be accepted by your peer group who've all had perfect indoctrination. Again, why would all the experts be lying to you? Well, all these experts are hand-picked. And the human flaw is that they're greedy. Again, you've had indoctrination that science, for some reason, is a pure thing. That's how it portrays itself. To get to the bottom of why things happen. And nothing stands in their way. No policy or political agenda will stand in their way. No paycheck will stand in their way. Which is so far from the truth, from reality. Everybody who goes into the scientific fields lives on grants. If his field falls flat, he gets no money. If it takes off and becomes a boon, then he's going to go for it and lies teeth off. And they do in concert. Like sea and enemies all waving at the same time in the same direction. That's nature. It's human nature. It's called greed. And every scientist out there, from the lowest level, once we get into research and so on, once we get his name way up there 
as a famous scientist. It's, it's, it's like people going into Hollywood, they don't want to become starlets, you know, and end up walking the streets. It's the same thing, folks. They want to get all these honors bestowed upon them and be the top honchos or bow to and curtsy to wherever they go because they're such geniuses, you see. But the reality is human nature with this money system and this greed factor that it brings out to the nth degree will always make sure that those who are most corruptible are put in charge of things by those who run the whole system of corruption, which you call reality. Anything can be skewed. Anything, any data, if it goes against an agenda, or if there's an agenda involved, can be skewed, and it is skewed, whereas vaccinations or anything else. When there's a motive behind it, a profit motive behind it, and behind the whole global warming scam, is a massive agenda, massive agenda, to control you from birth to death, micromanage you. And what you're going to do and work at, if you get any work at all, and eventually down to where you're extinguished when you're born or before you're born, and so on. And who makes it with whom? Total managed society has always been the goal of those who own it. And unfortunately today, we have a global control. And I mean global Now, a simple technique I've noticed for many years, when some consciousness is leaking out there that can't be stopped immediately by the big boys, they put out a story to obfuscate, kind of muddy the waters of reality again, you see, by getting close to something but skewing it off in a different direction. Now, we know the CIA... This beloved organization that's caused more wars across the planet than you care to count and overthrows governments galore and systems galore, mainly on behalf of their own boys at the top who rule the world, of course. They're just a little another employee, awfully good at what they do, mind you. And they can, they can really muddy things up always and get folk fighting each other and, and things like that. Very deceptive, layers of deception. But here's from from the CIA, this article here to do with climate, you see. To really muddy the waters and get you all prattling about it. So you'll argue with each other then and get off the topic that you've noticed for years, where they have been spraying your skies for years and altering the weather. It says, and it's from Daily Mail Online, can Russia control the weather? Climate researchers says the CIA fears hostile nations are triggering, triggering floods and droughts. It says uh, that CIA chiefs fear the hostiles are trying to manipulate the world's weather. Academic has told of mysterious phone call asking whether foreign countries could be triggering droughts or flooding. So the, the U.S. got nothing to do with that, of course. The U.S. pushes all the global treaties through the United Nations and funds the U.N. primarily to most of it. Since the CIA is believed to have helped fund a major report into geoengineering, they're studying it, you see, wondering what's going on. It's a mystery. It says, if it seems like it never stops raining, blame the Russians or even the North Koreans. The CIA chiefs fear hostile nations are trying to manipulate the world's weather. A conference heard. A leading academic has told how he got a mysterious phone call asking whether foreign countries could be triggering the droughts and flooding. Professor Alan Robock from Rutgers University in New Jersey, consultants working for the CIA, rang, he says, and said, we'd like to know if someone is controlling the world's climate. Would we know about it? A mysterious call from the CIA, you see. Phoned this professor. Yeah. Now, World War One really pushed it in the beginning. They tried all kinds of cons to get the U.S. into it. And one was, I think it was the Zimmerman Telegram, they called it, purporting that Germans were going to attack America. Uh, but it's very similar. To this kind of technique. Folk love mysteries. They want to believe in mysteries, you see. Anyway, it says here, of course they were also asking, if we control someone else's climate, would they then know about it? 
the professors were off. Many scientists from around the world, uh, is, is, and they're actively looking at manipulating the weather as a way of combating climate change. So, so the U.S. is really trying to do it to help us all, you see, combat. It's a war, climate change, you see. Geoengineering techniques range from cloud seeding, which is old-fashioned stuff, in which chemicals are sprayed by planes uh, to trigger rainfall, uh, to shooting mirrors into space to reflect sunlight and cool the earth, which, of course, we're doing in the 1960s. And it says here, Professor Robock told the callers that any attempts to meddle with the weather on a large scale would be detectable. Because, I mean, he's not saying this, but a few folk can actually see what's going on. They actually look up once in a while and say, my God, what's happened? What's that? You know, these trails all over the place. You know. However, he told the American Association for the Advancement of Science at their annual conference in San Jose that the weather has been weaponized in the past. Then he'd go on a bit older about Vietnam, how the U.S. scientists tried to increase rainfall to hamper the enemy's progress through the jungle by spraying particles in the clouds and making them all muddy, you see. As I say, the CIA is always muddying the waters, you might say, of reason. It says, and the CIA see clouds over Cuba to make it rain and ruin the sugar harvest. Asked how he felt when he got the call, the professor said, oh, he said, I'm scared, I'm scared. Oh. I'd learned of lots of other things the CIA had done that haven't followed the rules. So there are rules, eh? And that wasn't how I wanted my tax money spent. He wants his tax money spent, by, or your, your tax money spent by... Combating climate change, you see. I think this research has to be open and international, so there isn't any question of using it for hostile purposes, like, you know, in the whole populations of the world and manipulating their reason and their lives. To add to the intrigue of the CIA's, this is its belief to have helped fund a major report into geoengineering. Well, they're just thinking about doing it, though, to keep telling us. They have these annual meetings, or biannual, or how many times they have a year, all these top scientists. But they're just, well, it's if they ever use it in the future to save us all, you know. Published last week by the prestigious U.S. National Academy of Sciences, the report mentions the U.S. intelligence community in its list of sponsors alongside organizations such as NASA. Professor Robock said the CIA had told one of his colleagues it wanted to fund the report, but apparently did not want this fact to be too obvious. You believe all this rubbish? He said the CIA is a major funder of the National Academy's report. So that makes me really worried who is going to be in control. He added that the tension created by any large-scale meddling in the climate could escalate to such an extent that it would end an all-out war. The professor said if one country wants to control the climate in one way and another doesn't want it, or if they try to shoot down the planes, oh, so they're doing it. If there's no agreement, it could result in terrible consequences, he says. Well, there's an expert telling you on behalf of the CIA, you know. Amazing, amazing how they obfuscate what they've been doing for years. Somebody else's fault. When, when, when we do it in seriousness, not what's tied to be serious about it yet, when we start spraying in serious, seriousness in, in the West, it's to save us all. You see? Save us all. That's to save us. Yeah. There you go. And here's another article here. And this is how they feed the rubbish to you, you see. As they alter the, the spray mixes that they're dumping on you to manipulate the weather. NASA, you know, NASA, which belongs to the military-industrial complex. That's its purpose, folks, not to go out and give you science fiction in space. It says, NASA took to the skies today, along with the international partners. Now, NASA's the National Aeronautics Society. National Aeronautics Along with international partners, the general, the German Aerospace Centre, DLR, and National Research Council of Canada, the NRC, to begin a series of flight tests to gather critical data that may aid in the development of cleaner aircraft fuels. You see? The flight tests over Palmdale, California, called Alternative Fuel Effects on Contrails and Cruise Emissions 2, Access 2 it's called, or what one was, include NASA's DC-8 and HU-25C Guardian. D-5 
DLR's Falcon 20ES and NRC's CT-133 research aircraft. So when you see all those things spraying in the sky for years, you, what you had really was deja vu. See, they're just, they're just starting it now. Let's just test what the, the, the different emissions are, you see, to make them better and safer. So it says, NASA's DC-8 leads to the flight information as a guinea pig of the experiment. Its engines will burn various fuel blends while the Falcon and CT-133 measure emissions and observe contrail formations from the DC-8. So there you go. Now, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because, I mean, NASA even put out a documentary on contrails when people started talking about chemical sprays and chemtrails, which are very evident when you really started to do it in seriousness, in all earnestness, back in the 90s. Until it was daily, and it still is daily up here, anyway. Get up early enough in the morning to watch something, they spray occasionally throughout the day as well after that. And the weather has changed since I've been doing it. But, you see, NASA came out with a documentary to be shown in the schools to brainwash little children into what they're seeing now is actually condensation trails, just water vapour. So why are they putting all this work into to, to testing the fuel if that's all they give off is water, harmless water vapour? Eh? Well, here's the excuse, you see. Here it is. And this is what they say. It says, NASA's DC leads the flight formation as a guinea pig, etc. Flying as high as 40,000 feet, the DC-8's four CFM-56 engines. Like, we really have to know this, CFM-56 engines, right? This is how they try to make it sound very official and real. The engines burn either traditional jet fuel, which is JP-8, it says, or a 50-50 blend of JP-8 and renewable alternative fuel of hydro-processed esters and fatty acids produced from camelina plant oil. You gonna believe this stuff? You gonna believe that? Processed esters and, and a whole bunch of different esters. I guess that's polyesters, eh? But it's a fat polyester at like that. Anyway, it says, this is a great example of how NASA works with partners around the globe. Oh, we're so lucky, aren't we? To solve the challenges common to the international aviation community, such as understanding emission characteristics from the use of alternative fuels, which presents a great potential for significant reductions in harmful emissions. The exact opposite of what they're up to. Says Jaiwan Shin, NASA's Associate Administrator for Aeronautics Research. Measurements taken during Access 1 in 2013 showed suit levels were 40 to 60 percent lower. All, all those streaks you see in the sky, it's your imagination again, just like, the, just like you think you're freezing and you're actually swimming. It's the same thing, folks. You see, you're really all wonky. So it's 60 percent lower in the emissions from burning blended fuels than those of JPA, according to Bruce Anderson, NASA's principal investigator for the Access program. We saw big changes in suit emissions from the DC-8s, but we weren't able to make clear ties between the type of fuel burned and formation of contrail, said Anderson. So for access to, we really want to dig into that, it says. So there you are, folks. But then again, who's to say like that previous article? Maybe the Russians or North Koreans that are snuck in a few planes when this is going on and they're really geoengineering your climate. It's not, it's not your own countries that are involved. As of all, signed years ago to combat climate change by geoengineering. <laughs> uh, you you got to laugh, eh? You really do have to laugh. And another article, too, is NASA's alternative fuel effects research showcased, and etc. And that's what it is. It's more data on the same article, basically, on the supposedly new... Uh, uh, jet fuel, etc., etc. As I say, but why did they bore you go this trouble when they went to such lengths before to tell us that all you see is in the skies is just condensation of, you know, that's all that's left after they burn the fuel is condensation. Ah, oh dear, eh? I guess you got to be sure, eh? But it's quite something. You know, why does a population, well, how come it's we're so easily brainwashed? Well, you see, you've been brainwashed since birth. That's just like getting back to the movie The Island. 
brainwashed since birth to be naive and to be trusting and believe what you're told because why would anybody want to lie to you? Why would people in authority spend their careers lying to you? You see? Well, part of the reason we're so naive too is, like Plato says, you must give them a very poor education if you want to dominate them. He also said that a really well-educated, I mean, he was talking about realism, a well-educated population cannot be so easily dominated. In fact, he said it's impossible. And they've been dumbing us down for years, paying teachers more and more and more, teaching, and then all the teachers' sex eds and, and stuff like that to make sure that the children are all wonky and they're not, they're not sure what they are anymore. And, and they come out illiterate, illiterate. Here's an article here as we throw more and more money in the school systems. That's always the, the, the answer to it all. More money. Remember what Stalin said too? To control populations, minds and everything in the culture, you must make sure the military, the police and the teachers, along with, of course, the bureaucrats, but the teachers are well paid above the national norm. Now, this article is from the Daily Mail. Sex lessons for pupils age five under the Labour Party. The party plans to introduce subject to primary school curriculum in a bid to tackle homophobic bullying. For children under five. You see a lot of that homophobic bullying, eh? Under five. So, so what I'm going to tell you something. It's a different reason behind it all. And it says, Shadow Education Secretary Tristram Hunt. Oh, Tristram, eh? Picture today warned the use of homophobic languages, damaging the life chances of so many young people as he launched a plan for compulsory sex education. Like they've had it all along, compulsory sex education, to promote, you know, having sex all over the place. And the shadow education secretary, that's someone who's always hiding in the shadows. That's what he is, actually. He's a shadow one. He's pictured there and all the rest of it, talking about it. He said yesterday that the subject would go into the primary school curriculum to tackle the homophobic bullying. And the lessons are currently given only to children of secondary school age. So, so you encourage them all to try homosexuality. You've got to start them really young, just like they did with the promiscuity for the children uh, under the sexual guidance and education years ago. And look where that got us. This is all, it's all understood, folks. It was understood. You know, all that stuff was understood years ago where they wanted to take it on. Anyway, it says... Um, he said that he wants the party's education spokesman. He says he wants age-appropriate teaching about sex and relationships to begin in key stage one when people are aged five to seven. He claimed the move would also help to tackle the problems of domestic violence and rape in later life. Huh. But campaigners warned against sacrificing childhood innocence for the sake of political correctness. And they go on and on and on. And there's other articles too, of course. About student teachers, is an article, will need to pass literacy and numeracy, te- numeracy tests before being allowed to graduate. Oh, what a ridiculous idea these days. Right? So, as I say, you see, the teachers are there for social engineering on behalf of the masters are way above them who designed the whole system and where they want to take you next. So here the article says, the student teachers will need to pass a literacy. That's unthinkable, eh? and numeracy tests before being allowed to graduate. The federal government has decided that from 2016, student teachers will need to pass a national literacy and numeracy test before being allowed to graduate. It will also insist primary school teachers specialise in a particular subject. The moves are part of a bid to lift teacher quality after a government-appointed panel found significant pockets of objectivity, poor practice in education courses. Education Minister Christopher Pine says literacy and numeracy tests may mean fewer student graduates, uh, teachers. I don't think that would be a particular problem. It's not exactly like there's a lack of teachers, he says, not because the paychecks are so incredible for social engineering. Despite the push to boost standards, the government has decided not to set a minimum entry score or Australian ter- uh, Tertiary Admission Rank, ATAR, for teaching courses. This is short. But you're across the world, folks. Yeah. Imagine asking them to be able to read and write and count and all that, to be a teacher these days. I mean, you know, that's a bit much, isn't it? This is the system that we're living in. This is the island. This is the island, folks. And you must keep the product which is you, stupid.
in anything that has to be known, you're told what to believe. And that's the way it is. That's, that is so. Make it so when they make it so. They teach the proper guidance, the proper understanding, the proper beliefs for every age, and you believe properly. That's how it really is. Well, for all those who are really bundled up to try and keep warm, from Hamish myself, from a freezing Ontario, Canada, which is all in our imaginations, of course, not because by the North Koreans, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.